We have been given a life-altering gift in the promise, you are a baptized child of God. May the grace, mercy, and peace of God be ours as we celebrate the gift of this promise in our daily lives. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the celebration of the baptism of our Lord leads us to reflect on our own baptism and the gift that it is for our lives, both now and eternally. Baptism is an amazing gift. Whether we're two years old, two days old, or even 102 years young, baptism is a movement from a world of darkness to one of light. From the kingdom of strife to the kingdom of love. From the stark reality of certain death to the promise of glorious, new, and everlasting life. Yes, baptism is a drastic life and death gift, worthy of reflecting on the fact that something has changed in our lives. We see that in our gospel text today. Everything was going smoothly. John was preaching, and people were going out to him to be baptized. Families from Jerusalem or Judea and all that region were coming out and being baptized by John. It was a busy but exciting time for John. Until Jesus showed up. Until John looked up for the next family coming to be baptized, and instead of seeing sinners who needed to repent, he saw the one who did not need to repent of anything, who had no sin, who needed no baptism. Yet, here he was, shoulder to shoulder with all those sinners, as if he too were a sinner. And so then everything comes to a grinding halt. John basically says, hey, stop, wait a minute. I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? John is confused. He doesn't understand really what Jesus is doing there. And so Jesus says to him, it's all right, John, this is right. He says, do this. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And at Jesus' word, John consents. Though he probably still doesn't quite understand what is happening. Do you? Do you understand why Jesus, the one who is without any sin, who needs no baptism, is being baptized? The key is in Jesus' words to John, when he says to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And that is language that John could understand, because that's what John was after too, righteousness. He was preaching to unrighteous people about their lack of righteousness. He was preaching about their sin. He was preaching about the wrath that was coming and the need to repent and turn their lives around. He was preaching to people like us. But as great as John was, and we heard a few weeks ago in Advent that Jesus said, among those born of women, there is arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. As great as John was, he could not fulfill all righteousness. And none of the people who uh, came to him could either. 
Because John could administer baptism for the forgiveness of their sins, and the people could condemn themselves and resolve to do better, but they were sinners. They would sin again. They might improve. They might get better. They might even look quite respectable and fine, upstanding members of society. They may be like you and me, people who work hard, who pay your taxes, who help others, people who look good and who others would want as their friend or neighbor. But while you may look and and be able to look righteous before the world, you can never be righteous before God. Because his standards are higher, his judgments are deeper. And while you may be able to restrain the words that you speak and the deeds that you do and look righteous to the world around us, God knows the words that were not spoken, yet formed in your mind. He knows the deeds that were not done, yet desired in your heart. He knows the resentment, the anger, the lust, the jealousy, the hate, the ridicule, the belittling, all the impurity and wretchedness and lack of righteousness that lives inside each and every one of us. Sin that lives within us, that penetrates every nook and cranny of our human nature, that makes each and every one of us unable to fulfill all righteousness. So very simply put, something else is needed. Someone else is needed. And the word of God unwraps this gift for you today. Jesus is the one. He is the one who has come to fulfill all righteousness. To do what you and I could never do. To be what you and I could never be. And to do this and to be this for us. That's why Jesus takes his place with the sinners at the Jordan that day. Why he stands shoulder to shoulder with them and with us as if he were one of us. Because he has come to be one of us. He has come to take our place. And maybe a way to understand that is is how when when we look at someone in great danger or someone who's terribly ill, and we think to ourselves, I wish it were me and not them. Perhaps when you look at a a child with cancer or a child being abused or a friend whose troubles just won't seem to go away. Our heart goes out to them. We wish we could trade places with them that they might not have to suffer what they're going through. Jesus has come to trade places with us, to take our place. But actually, that's not quite right. Jesus does even more than that. For what Jesus does, those examples aren't quite adequate. Because imagine that's not a child with cancer, but a criminal with cancer. And not a child being abused, but an abuser being abused. Not a friend in trouble, but an enemy in trouble. Would you trade places with them? Probably not, right? We wouldn't want to help them or pity them or comfort them. We sinfully think they're just getting what they deserve. But you know what? That's what Jesus does. Because in taking our place, guess what? He's taking the place not of innocent children or friends, but of criminals, abusers, and enemies. For in our failure to keep his law, in our failure to love others, that is exactly what we are. So that is what Jesus is doing at the Jordan that day. He's not there with good people. He's there with sinners, with the worst of the worst. 
with us. The righteous for the unrighteous. In order to make us righteous. He's not there to have his sins washed away, but to take our sin upon himself. To take our place, to be our substitute under what we deserve, which is the wrath and condemnation of God. To set us free. Free from the dominion of sin and guilt. And to make us righteous in the eyes of God. And that Jesus did. Not only in taking your place at the Jordan that day, but by taking your place on the cross. Jesus died in your place. He took the righteous judgment against your sin. That is how much Jesus loves you. But his love did not end there with his death, as, if, as it would be if we were taking someone's place. But three days later, we see that all righteousness had indeed been fulfilled when the bonds of death the power of the grave are broken in Christ's resurrection. And just as he stepped out of the Jordan with your sin in mind, he now steps out of the grave without it. That not just you, but also your sin be dead and buried forever. That is why Jesus is baptized. To die that you might live. And that's why you are baptized to die that you might live. That you not die in your sin and so die forever, but that you die with Christ and so live forever. Because that is what baptism does for you. It's not something that we do, right? Baptism is not something that we do. It's the work of God and Christ for you. The work that Jesus began at the Jordan and is continuing for all time his heart still going out to us sinners. That's what St. Paul explained for us today in our epistle text from Romans. That when you are baptized into Christ, you are baptized into his work for you, into his death and his resurrection. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you too might be raised and walk in newness of life. Or in other words, just as Jesus stepped into the Jordan with you, you step out of the grave with him. You rise with him, a new person, forgiven, redeemed, set free by your substitute to live a new life, set free by your substitute who has fulfilled all righteousness for you, set free by your substitute to live a changed new life in him. And heaven was once barred and, and sealed by your sin. It now stands wide open for you. That the gift of the Spirit and the gifts that he brings with him are now given to you. Be with you. To always be with you through this difficult world and life. And that you are now a child of God. Dearly beloved. One with whom your Father is well pleased. And yes, your heavenly Father is well pleased with you. Now, he may not always like what you do and how you act, but the good news is that he loves you nonetheless. And his forgiveness is always here for you. Now, the devil and the world will try to get us to doubt all that, to discourage us, to make us think that we're not really a Christian because, well, look at us. We're a bunch of 
failures, and sinners. But baptism is our gift. We know who we were, right? We were who we were in our sin, but we also knew, know who we are in Christ. And we are baptized into Christ. And in him, we are new. In him, we are forgiven. In him, we are beloved children of God. And remember this, we are not Christians because of what we do. We are Christians because of what Jesus has done for us. That he fulfilled all righteousness and he gives it all to us. So brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoice. For your baptism changes everything. Every day, forever. Now that's a gift. Amen.